Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Korean GIs made sick by UFO. Now this happened back during the Korean War, actually. The article appears January 15th, 2020 on history.com and shows that it was originally published September 13th, 2018, written by a Natasha Frost. The title, When Dozens of Korean War GIs Claimed a UFO Made Them Sick. The article begins, Theories range from high-tech death, Soviet death rays to extraterrestrials studying human combat to combat stress-induced hallucinations. In May 1951, one year into the Korean War, PFC Francis P. Wall and his regiment found themselves stationed near Churwon, about 60 miles north of Seoul. As they were preparing to bombard a nearby village with artillery, all of a sudden, the soldiers saw a strange sight up in the hills, like a jack-o'-lantern coming wafting down across the mountain. What happened after the pulsing, attacking light the lingering, debilitating symptoms would mystify many for decades to come. As the GIs watched the craft make its way down into the village where the artillery bursts were starting to explode. So you can imagine these guys are up on this hillside. And this was a terrible war, by the way. And I've talked to, to several old, old vets that were there. And they can assure you that the conditions were extremely cold. They were in... Uh, rugged terrain, and the fighting was ferocious. So they're bombarding this village. Uh, undoubtedly, there were North Koreans down there, possibly Chinese, and they were trying to take out the enemy. And as they're doing this, they see this jack-o'-lantern-shaped UFO, as they describe it, just come floating down the side of this hill. As the GIs watched the craft made its way down into the village, where the artillery bursts were starting to explode. We further noticed that this object would get right into the center of an outburst of artillery and yet remain unharmed, Wall later told John P. Timmerman of the Center for UFO Studies in a 1987 interview. Suddenly, the object turned, Wall said, and whereas at first it had glowed orange, now it was a pulsating blue-green brilliant light. He asked his company commander for for permission to fire at the object with armor-piercing bullets from an M1 rifle. As the bullets hit the body of the craft, he recalled, they made a metallic ding. The object started behaving still more erratically, shunting from side to side as it sliced, as its lights flashed on and off. Well, we see from this encounter that it does appear that this thing is some kind of a mechanical, metallic object. Otherwise, the uh, armor-piercing bullets wouldn't have just made the dinging sound. I mean, something would, something 
different would have happened if these things would have, say, been shot into some sort of plasma ball or some sort of uh, energy mass. You wouldn't have expected that kind of reaction, but we see a very mechanical reaction. Another thing I notice here is how the color of the lights changed from this orange to this greenish-blue color. You wonder if this thing wasn't in distress, and maybe the reason that it came down off that side of that hill so slowly, they described it as wafting down, possibly it was it was um, somehow injured or unable to unable to get out of there. I don't know. It's just wafting down. It's sitting there. It's being fired out now by bullets. It's in the middle of all these um, ordnance coming down from from the Americans. If the thing isn't isn't somehow debilitated to where it can't move, you wonder why it's even sitting there. As the bullets hit the body of the craft, he recalled they made a metallic ding. The object started behaving still more erratically, shunning from side to side as the lights flashed on and off. Wall's recollection of what happened next are stranger still. We were attacked, he said, swept by some form of a ray that was emitted in pulses in waves that you could visually see only when it was aiming directly at you. That is to say, like a searchlight sweeps around and the segments of light, you would see it coming at you. This is something else we've seen repeatedly in these UFO encounters. When people start to interact with them, these beams of light. So apparently this thing was threatened by whatever the American soldiers were firing at it, and it started firing back. He remembered a burning, tingling sensation sweeping over his body as if he were being penetrated. The men rushed into underground bunkers and peeped through the windows, watching as the aircraft hovered above them and then shot off at a 45-degree angle. It's that quick, he said. It was there and gone. So apparently this thing somehow gathered itself together and was able to escape. But this is an unusual case where the UFO felt the need to fire back at a military attack. It goes on and says, Three days after the incident, the entire company of men was evacuated by ambulance with special roads cut to haul out those too weak to walk. When they finally received medical treatment, they were found to have dysentery and extremely high white blood cell count. To me, says Richard F. Haynes, a UFO researcher and former NASA scientist, they had symptoms that sounded like the effects of radiation. In the wake of the Korean War, which ended in July of 1953, dozens of men have reported seeing similar unidentified flying objects over the course of the 37-month conflict. The craft resembled flying saucers, according to unofficial reports. As many as 42 were corroborated by additional witness reports, an average of more than one a month in just over three years. At first, according to Korean historian Paul M. Edwards, Many researchers believe that the sightings were Soviet experiments based on German technology and foreign research in anti-gravity. These were supposedly so large they could carry 50 tons of weight and were powered by electromagnetic propulsion, he writes, in, an unusual, in unusual footnotes to the Korean War. What was being cited, it was suggested, were discs the Russians were testing over the Korean skies. But in the years since the fall of the Soviet Union, a number of Soviet reports of sighting UFOs over Korea have trickled in, discrediting these theories. 
Well, obviously, the Russians were seeing the same things as the Americans were, and they were reporting it back, too. It's also a little silly to think that these that if the Soviet Union had a craft that advanced that could resist uh, armor-piercing shells and was able to withstand uh, a mortar attack the way this thing was and was able to uh, strike back at the American forces with what's obviously some sort of uh, radiation-based weapon if the Russians had that technology, it seems foolish to think that they wouldn't have used it. Because you have to remember that at the time, you know, Russia was was really um, exercising its power. A very aggressive, a very aggressive communist government in charge over there. Remember, the Korean War was a war fought between the United States and the South Korean allies against the North, against what would become North Korea and the Chinese and Russians. So the Russians really weren't uh, interested at that time about not winning that war. It was important for them to win that conflict. And to think that they would have not used this sort of technology uh, to their fullest just makes no sense at all. The article goes on and says, Why were so many UFO sightings throughout the Korean War? Were they the product of thousands of exhausted men under incredible stress or a sign of something more mysterious? Let's hold on a second here. Why would we even think that these 37 different encounters would all be so similar that people somehow were having post-traumatic stress syndrome or battle fatigue or whatever you want to call it? It almost seems as if you're reaching for an answer when you say this was some sort of a repeated mass hallucination. That just doesn't make any sense at all. From 1952 until 1986, the United States Air Force ran Project Blue Book, a systematic study into unidentified flying objects and their potential threat to national security. When it was shuttered in December of 1969, the Air Force announced they had found nothing of note terminated all activity under the auspice of the study. Of course, we know now that's not true. But many believers in that project ended abortively. But many believe that the project uh, ended abortively and that there was more work to be done, leading to similar interviews with witnesses and other investigations being done by dozens of volunteers for decades after the project ended. Haynes is one of them. He described himself as a scientist with an open mind rather than someone with something to prove. I don't believe in them. I do I don't not believe in them, he says. I'm trying to let the data convince me one way or the other, which is the scientific approach. But he says it's striking how many accounts there are of similar sightings in the North in the Korean War and other conflicts. In the early years of the Cold War, it was often theorized that these craft might be Soviet or Chinese vessels with technology unknown to American troops. Haynes believes this theory has been conclusively disproved. If they were, he says, they would have been building these those craft for use in later wars like the Vietnam War, for instance. The Soviet UFO sightings Edward describes make it similarly unlikely, as do the impossibly high-tech specifications of some of the sightings. In Wall's case, for instance, he described a kind of force field taking effect a while after he began shooting where his bullets simply ricocheted away from the craft. 
Haynes, for his part, believes the rash of sightings across the Korean War might suggest that something in the universe is especially interested in how human beings behave in the throng of military action. We tend to be very creative to fight a war, Haynes says, listing off the various sciences and technologies that might come into play in military action. If you were interested in how another country or another race of people fought their wars, you'd want to collect information on that, wouldn't you? He trails off. That's one possible explanation. There may be others. But in the vast majority of UFO sightings, as much as 80%, are later found to be totally ordinary phenomena like clouds or human crafts rather than anything otherworldly. In Wall's case, precisely what he saw that day has never been conclusively proven or disproven. Without the testimony of other men in Wall's regiment, it's hard to ascertain whether they too had the same strange experience, even if it can be corroborated that many did get very ill. In the years following the war, Wall lost contact with many of the men in his regiment. After the experience, he remembered his company agreeing that they would not file a report because they'd lock every one of us up and think we were crazy, he told Timmerman. And what made him choose to make a testimony, however, was the lasting after-effects of his illness, including permanent weight loss from 180 pounds to 138, stomach problems and periods of disorientation, and memory loss after returning to the United States. He retired in 1969 at the age of just 42. His daughter, Renee Denny, says, and spent 30 years out of work struggling with the after-effects of the war. Back then, they didn't know the name of it, but I guess you would say it was a form of PTSD, she says. Over the years, he would tell and retell the tale of his strange UFO sighting. The story was always the same, says Denny. It never changed through the years, but there was other fallout. He was especially affected by the sounds of airplanes and once knocked his mother and sister to the ground after mistaking them for enemy troops. I guess he would have flashbacks, she says. Wall's recollections of the UFO sighting were consistent and acute, but whether what he remembered actually happened is harder to prove. Fighting conditions were almost intolerable, stressful, and entirely possible that he may have experienced some kind of hallucination brought on by the terror of the situation where he regularly feared for his life. It might also have been a moment of feverish delirium, even the raised white blood cell count that that surprised army doctors and Haynes is consistent with many of the bacterial infections which might also cause severe dysentery as are hallucinations. In a later interview with Haynes, Wall described how he had discussed what he saw with some 25 other men, but none ever came forward or would later be traced. In 2002, British researchers demonstrated a link between UFO sightings and Cold War hysteria and pointed out how the number of sightings had nosedive as radar improved. That cannot be a coincidence. Those early confirmations were just a product of primitive radar systems, and it goes on here a little ways further. It finally, it concludes, it says, Wool had experiences in those years in Korea that would scar him until his death in 1999. One night, Denny says, he managed to wake to make his way through a pitch-dark minefield, praying for his life as he went. Others who made the same journey were not so fortunate. When he went into the war, she says, he was happy-go-lucky, just a totally different person to when he came out. Whether the UFO sightings that Wall and so many other men reported were a product of this person, personality-altering trauma or the effects 
of something requiring much greater investigation remains a mystery. Well, you know, you can decide for yourself, but when I see something like this, I just tend to take it on face value. And even though the guy was a young man and he was under extremely stressful conditions, you have a multiple sighting there. And as I said, his wasn't only one, 37 reported. Now, if there were 37 UFO sightings reported under those conditions, imagine how many more were not reported. It does seem like UFOs are interested in major type events that happen on Earth, whether it's during the wartime, whether it's during some sort of natural disaster. Uh, often we see their interest in UFOs. And now we have to wonder what the interest uh, could be with this latest uh, hysteria that we're experiencing. Uh, are the UFOs watching us right now to see how people react to induce panic? And I, I say that because of this recent uh, UFO fleet that was spotted in El Paso. Some other sightings that we hear talk about. More and more often we're seeing, we're seeing what appear to be fleets of these things. And are they here to observe uh, humans and how humans react to particularly stressful situations? I mean, that would serve them well at some point if they decide to disclose themselves to us, uh, albeit for good or, or, or not good. They're definitely going to want to know how humans will uh, react toward them. And I think that's what was happening here in a microcosm is that these things these phenomena, whatever they were, were at first simply observing what was going on between between humans. And then when they were attacked by this young group of GIs, they struck back, and they struck back with obviously some sort of what could have been a lethal weapon, but, you know, the guy dropped 20 pounds, which, or excuse me, he went from 180 to 138. He loses 32 pounds, which he never gains back. So you have to wonder... what the long-term health health consequences were on top of all the other stress that he, that he suffered from this war. But but do UFOs come here to uh, observe humans? Yes, I think they do. And I think that this case, even though it was back, you know, over 50 years ago in Korea, certainly one of these cases is an interesting article. History.com does do some good work on there from time to time. And, and they cover a lot of stories that have been buried for a long time. And I highly recommend that you take a look at it. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over now.